Hey guys, Dan here. I want to say a massive thank you to our new sponsors, Fight Fuel UK. Fight Fuel UK are a sports supplement and clothing company for the boxing, MMA, and martial arts community. Be sure to check out their great products on fightfuel.co.uk. And remember, guys, by supporting our sponsors, you support the podcast. Thank you for listening, and please enjoy this episode. So here we are with Daniel Lewis himself. How are we doing, my friend? How are you finding lockdown? Uh, I'm good. I hope you're well. Uh, lockdown, I've developed so many mental health issues. Uh, I don't know how I'm going to recover, to be honest with you. <laughs> wow, that's a way to start. <laughs> exactly, right? It's all downhill from here for your podcast. <laughs> well, let's, let's go into that then. <laughs> what, does that, what do you mean by that? What's happened? Um... This is an interesting time, right? Um, there was a delay in, for example, it was a delay in me replying to you because I'm kind of logged out of social media and stuff like that. Um, uh, I think the world is being bombarded with, I'm not talking about the, the topics, I'm talking about just in general, um, bombarded with all this inf- information, be it disinformation, be it right information, just there's so much information all the time. I think it can get a can get to you a bit um i'm, I'm living with uh, four people two um what we consider older people who are struggling a bit now we've got to the point where we were all kind of united as one for the first few weeks of it and it's you can see there's like the the old kind of what would you consider it fractures are now kind of exploding because of people's frustration um, with a lot of bad things that are going on in the world and a lot of like silly things that are going on in the world as well. Now, it's an interesting point of this because I can't help but feel with the reaction of everything going on at the minute. It's heightened because of the situation everyone's in, that sort of cabin fever of people having banana bread only lasts for so long and then it (laughs) sort of escalates into everything that happens you have to have a reaction you have to be like okay i've got all this energy i haven't burned it off doing anything exactly exactly regards of you and your time dealing with this then how have you i don't know approached this sort of obviously at some point you'd have clocked okay i'm going to be in this situation for a while now how have you dealt with it so far have you got a structure in place have you got i i think my it's physically i'm i'm eating way too much food um, because I'm sticking with the same amount of food I eat when I was training like six to seven days a week, basically all week I would train. I would teach, I would train myself, I'd do all that kind of stuff, um, and that's been the hardest thing for me to control. But I've kind of got it under control now. I've started running, I've started cycling, all that kind of stuff, like doing additional things I wouldn't normally do because I'd be at the gym all the time. Um, but it's it's more uh, the mental side of the, the lockdown and the situation is probably the toughest for everyone involved, right? Um, I think one week I can be like, great, positive, don't worry about it, everything's going to be okay eventually. And then the next week you kind of go into it. I don't know what it is. It's an energy level thing. It's a, a, a mental health thing. It's the way you just go, the world's going to come to an end. Um, me and my other half, um, I think we've been coping with it quite well. Um, the good thing is when one of us is down, the other one's been picking us up and, and we kind of, we're never both down or both up. So it's kind of like we we even each other out a lot. So that's kind of helping as well. Do you feel without coaching and without jujitsu, you're sort of losing your identity a bit? To start with, I did, because for me, 
um, not only uh, like doing jujitsu, but um, teaching jujitsu. And um, for example, if you ask any of my teammates, you'll probably they'll probably tell you I'm the most antisocial person they know. I don't go out. I don't drink. I don't like do really anything. So you'd think for for someone like me who doesn't like doing those things, lockdown would be like, this is it. This is a dream come true, right? But it's a, a human interaction thing. It's like the banter at the gym and stuff like that. I think jujitsu, whilst it's the biggest part of my life, you know, I quit my job to start teaching full time. Um, things just aligned for me on that front where I could do it and, and not have to have the, the biggest income. Um, but whilst it is my identity to a certain degree, I think it's, it's made me think about a bigger picture in general. I don't want to mean to sound too pretentious when you say things like that, but there, there are other, there are other sides of my life now that I can actually pursue because I have the time to, because as a lot of like martial artists and, and like guys who do like jujitsu and grappling know it becomes very addictive. Like everyone's wants to spend every day on the mat. And it's very rare that you have time where either you're not just at home knackered because you've had done 10 rounds of sparring with a bunch of your, your, your training partners who just like beating you up all the time. Um, but now I actually have the, like my family say, I don't look as tired when they see me you know, be on the, the video calls and stuff. And my sister goes, you don't look as gray as normal. It's like, oh, good. That, that's that's nice, right? Um, so it gives you a bit more energy to do outside things. And, and also, worst case scenario, with disasters like this current pandemic situation, you look outside of what other things you can do with your life. Because um, I very much, I mean, my career and my background before teaching and instructing full-time was graphic design and stuff like that. Um, which I kind of fell into. That wasn't a big passion of mine, whereas when I found jiu-jitsu, I found my passion. Um, but from a, a kind of furthering myself and growing myself, I've signed up to like a, a personal trainer course. Um, I've been on uh, Udemy and I've been doing uh, uh, Premiere Pro courses. I, I, I used to use Photoshop and Dreamweaver and things like that all the time, but Premiere Pro, all that kind of stuff, just to get myself educated before the lockdown happened. Um, I started filming more content for both uh, my own, like where I work in the gym at IGA Bucks and my own um, project, the Lighthouse stuff. We will probably touch on that at some point later, um, but it's just like increasing my knowledge. And I think a big thing coming out of this is people are increasing their knowledge um, outside of what they want to do exactly because they've had to. Um, and I think me personally, learning to learn again has been very interesting, both fun and frustrating at the same time there is a lot of that i want to go into <laughs> so let's go from the start so what you said about not wanting to sound pretentious by thinking big picture i mean off the bat it's not pretentious you got to appreciate this is your the bubble of your world was mainly jujitsu but then you take away jujitsu yeah and this is a lot of people when it comes yeah. to like retiring from fighting and stuff they have to kind of you know figure out and this must be what all the blue belts yeah. do who quit <laughs> and as if they sort of figure out what else happens in the world <laughs> I, 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 would, I would never say anything about the lower grades like that. They're, they're people too, right? Are they? Okay. <laughs> Similarly. But yeah, that kind of concept no. of, I think it's more awareness. It's like that kind of, you know, this is, this was my world. And now having the awareness of the fragility, is that how you say it? Fragile nature yes. of our yeah. worlds and our environments of, okay, this is all I'm going to do. This is everything I need. 
but then it's taken away from you then what and it's trying yeah. to figure that part out so this is just a natural part of you know rebuilding reassessing because you know exactly exactly because especially with the the all the unknowns with the virus and um, there's so many unknowns there's so much i heard my mate dave got it and he said it was fine and then you hear someone else say oh like the you know and, and then the, they, they kind of kind of like spirals out of control but there's still so many unknowns about it it was very much with jiu-jitsu being the close contact sport it is it's very much a will it be back like when it when when we went into lockdown for the first couple of weeks, I, I couldn't see jiu-jitsu or any close contact martial arts coming back anytime soon. Um, and I, and yeah, I didn't want fake martial arts to win, you know, no touch stuff. I didn't want them to win. But I, so eventually I got out of that mindset. And I was like, no, we will be back. We just have to, I've recently done a, like a COVID um, course that kind of like, it's a martial art instructor course. It's, it's just real basic stuff, but it just, it means just, you just have to adapt and, and fit to the surroundings, which I think I, obviously my main martial arts is, is uh, more martial art form is Brazilian Jiu Jitsu, but I first like started training with Neil McLeod. who does a lot of JKD and things like that. So it's kind of like, all the the Bruce Lee stuff of take what's useful and discard what's not and I think because of that we're a very our culture and our society in within the martial arts structure is very good to adapting and this is something like this is primarily I don't know spoken about a lot with jiu-jitsu is that high level problem solving is that constant development of okay if I do this then what do they do okay they do that that causes a problem how do I go around that how do I resolve yeah. that and so on and so forth and this is another the key word in that whole thing is adapting. That, okay, this is the next issue. What's going to happen? Are we going to sit there and let jiu-jitsu disappear? Are we going to find a new way of making it work? Are we going to try and find, I don't know, a way around it, a way to make it work? And exactly, this is yeah. Part of this attitude, and this is, I don't know, it's something that seems to be built into people when it comes to being under constant perseverance of, okay, I'm getting smashed, but I'm going to be better apparently. <laughs> I hope so yeah. at some point. And it's fine. At least I'm now locked down in my house where people can't get me inside control. <laughs> well, I say that my other half is a destroyer, so I don't know how I, I will be able to cope with that. I mean, she's she's currently moving stuff around. <laughs> she might hear us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. <laughs> so when it comes to your like graphic design and everything else and that kind of creative thing, do you find that help with your jujitsu? That kind of idea of trying to have your own influence on things and your own input or are you quite happy to follow the mold of jiu-jitsu and i don't know copy as is i think i think yeah i think the big thing for me wasn't the the tasks or the job role um i for for example like i left um secondary school uh 17 i didn't i, I finished my gmbq but I, I literally my only real it qualification was a c a gcse um from then i kind of uh just found my way through from saturday jobs to full-time jobs um then i my friend knew my who would then be my boss uh, and he employed me because he could see that i had kind of potential and he was just trying to fill job roles I was there their business was just starting out as well um and from then on i started to enjoy doing design work and rather than uh, a structured environment of uh what you would consider traditional education i was able to educate myself like i taught myself how to code html do graphic design work all that kind of stuff myself do like youtube videos and things like that because i'm thinking i'm more of a what we consider like a visual learner rather than like a you could give me like a textbook 
And as soon as you give me the textbook, my mind automatically switches off. It's like I, I'm not interested in that. Whereas when you're pursuing stuff yourself, and 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 as much as Google wants to control and and send us advertisements, you know, just being able to Google whatever question, whatever thing you have when you're trying to do, it's helped me a lot with my education with when it came to design work and stuff like that. And I think it's it gave me the ability to one understand that I'm a visual learner. So like instructionals and things like that are a massive, like they're a big, big way I've kind of like picked up things like that. But just visually from a jiu-jitsu class perspective, seeing a technique, I, I'm then able to absorb it a lot quicker than say someone writing it down for me, me reading it back. So I think how I learn has helped with my martial arts and what I do um, rather than my background in design and all that kind of stuff, just how I found to actually learn for myself. That's a interesting way of going around that. So I was thinking more of a, okay, you take things with a pinch of salt. Okay, this is how you should do a technique and then having your own mm -hmm. influence on that. But the way you were describing that is how you know how you absorb information and how you retain it as well. Yeah. So then regards of, I don't know, application. Do you like to, uh, like, say you've seen, watched an instruction, say you've watched Craig Jones, I don't know who you are, for example. Or, or the or the lapel encyclopedia. I was gonna say, I was gonna say, <laughs> anyone listening. Are you one of those people? You're one of those worm worm people. I'm gonna I, call you. This is why I've come to the. Um, I am. I'm massively. I'm. I'm generally a gi grappler, but I found out in the last couple of months that I'm so much more deadly in no gi because I don't fanny around as much. <laughs> yeah, I can see that. Yeah, and this is. So when it comes to your actual training, say you get your lapel encyclopedia and um, you've got that, you've seen Keenan do all sorts of wizardry with the lapels. Is it just mm -hmm. seeing it once and then you've got it there nailed? Or is it a case that you have to drill it out? Is it a case you have to see people doing it and sparring? Is it, how do you find retaining that information and keeping it applicable? This, this is the thing. Um, for me, since I became, I started teaching full-time when I was like midway through, or we could say midway through my brown belt. And then I, I got to a black belt. Uh, um, I teach so much. I, I, I generally don't have time. Well, I, I do have time, but I, I maybe would do like one lesson a week, two lessons a week where I am the student. So um, a lot of my learning and when I became what we consider a bit more advanced in grappling was I'd rather than looking at a, a whole kind of position, I'd literally pick snippets of a certain area like for example when i did um mma i'd find myself in a, a half guard position and i have quite lanky arms so for me you you look from within that position i found a dash choke so it's like it's finding things for me to do in my head but then i would just have to do them in real time so i, I wouldn't say I, i'm not a driller i'm not one of those guys but for me I, i'm more of a i teach what i know and then I'll roll and I have to, it may slow my progress to a certain degree now, but I have to do it in active sparring and try the new stuff out. Now, this is a question I've asked a few people. I want to hear your input on this. When it comes to grading jiu-jitsu, do you feel it's, I don't know, applicable or appropriate? Because when it comes to different styles, so say like you get the long-legged Mac Daddies like us and you get the short, stocky wrestlers and those kind of people, the differentiated people. They're the worst. I can deal with lanky people. I can deal with lanky people. Short, stocky, just annoying. They should be banned. I think. <laughs> Anyone with a good base and skill. <laughs> oh, 
strong elbow with you know yeah do something else but yeah I mean the variety of styles and the variety of like abilities because of how different these styles can be do you feel a grading system is applicable when it comes to that kind of variety say someone's got a really dominant guard game and then a mm. questionable side control game are they still the same level as someone of the same rank but who's got a different style I think um, what I like most about the jiu-jitsu grading system is it's ha- saying it's open to interpretation is if you take that out of context that could be quite a controversial thing to say but what I consider is it the instructors when you get to a certain level you you know what's real and what's not you know ha- for for example, I, I always I always quote him, but um, I used to train. Um, he trains with um, my old MMA coach um, Neil McLeod still to this day. Um, but I trained with a guy called Pete, and he was in his seventies, and he got his purple belt. This is a few years ago now. And you, the the good thing about the Brazilian Jiu Jitsu grading system is it enables people. You can be the the competitor, the guy who trains four times a day and is a superhuman but or you can be like a 50 year old or you could be a 60 year old you can be a 70 year old and you can still do stuff within the grading system and i think for me with the the grading system it, it is it open to interpretation you could have as i say loads of different levels right you have the athletes you have the the hobby hobbyists and 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 the people who are just trying out something new and stuff like that and one the grading system is a good encouraging factor like everyone wants to be a black belt you know everyone like everyone sees that wow that's that's really cool so it kind of gives people little goals to kind of aim for um but i think it's it's, it's still applicable. Um, uh, I think because of how jiu-jitsu is and how fast it's growing, the grading system out of all the martial arts I've seen is possibly probably the best, you know, uh, and be- because it is open to the instructor's interpretation. Now, that's a really interesting sort of way because you're almost steering to that skid of it is that it keeps it that free, I don't know, it doesn't. It isn't bound to a curriculum. Isn't bound to a certain standard that you have to win. I don't know the mundials at black belt to get your or, or blue belt to get your. Good luck with that. <laughs> have fun with that, yeah. And and these kind of concepts. But and again, it's like when you have kids who are black belts in other martial arts. It's like, what does that mean? What does that mean? I mean, to to quote myself, one of the parents asked me about like, are there like Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu child black belts and i just i was i was probably i was i think i was a purple belt at this point and i said to them just without i don't think sometimes when i speak but i just said turned around and said there's not a child alive that i can't beat up you know (laughs) (laughs) um and they looked at me like oh my god it's like it's true um uh, yeah there they go. Open challenge. Anyone fourteen and below, I will quite happily fight you. No matter, no, no questions asked. There we go. Um, God, that could be really taken out of context. Yeah, but anyway, the yeah, exactly. Um, with the the ages and things like that, I think the the, the jiu system is very very good. I'm not really 
I didn't do judo properly until a couple of years ago. Um, I started training with um, Caroline, my other half, who's a, a fourth degree um, black belt in judo, um, and they sh they she sees how we grade. Like they have to fight for their grades and stuff like that. Um, but they also have like technical grades, so there is like there is kind of like flexibility within judo as well. But for me, jiu-jitsu is the best, so I'm always going to be biased. So here's what it is. <laughs> so this is the beauty of sort of jiu-jitsu, and also the here's another like topic for you on this: the concept of self-defense, Gracie jiu-jitsu versus sport jiu-jitsu, and what is taught and what should be graded on. Because if you get purple belt guard pullers and like you know Berenbola people, who can't do the standard I don't know, classic hair pull defense yep. or the back take like knee yep. kick or whatever it is, thinking oh, they still a purple belt in the world. If if, if if lockdown if if lockdown keeps going, I'm gonna have to work more on my head like hair defenses because it's getting out of control. <laughs> but this is the classic concept. Like, do you feel? Self-defense should still be a priority in the jiu-jitsu grading world. Do you reckon that should still be a thing, or do you reckon it's not applicable enough? Um, I think it's down to what the person wants to do. Um, I think for me, uh, I would consider myself. I mean, I, I started when I first started doing martial arts. It was mixed martial arts, you know. Um, so I was doing striking and grappling. When I, that was, I mean, I started. I came late to that. I started when I was 26. Um, so you could like having that blend of striking and grappling, more self-defense orientated than like strict jiu-jitsu. But I think, um, oh, this is going to be grapplers. <laughs> Grapplers are tougher than strikers most of the time. And I, I find the self-defense stuff, when you know how to clinch, I know, right? Shots fired. Um, when you know how to clinch and deal with people, like if you look at it from a self-defense perspective, one-on-one, -on -one, I'm not talking like fighting 10 guys, because for me, that's why I have a car, because if that was to occur, I'd get in my car and drive away. Um, but from a one-on-one -on -one perspective, you see it on any kind of video you get sent on one of your WhatsApp groups, two dudes fighting, it always ends in a clinch. You know, there's there's no, like, Queensbury rules going on in a, a, a street altercation. Um, and I think someone who knows how to clinch and stuff like, stuff like that. And also, I think the big thing for me when it comes to this um, self-defense and sport jiu-jitsu thing is, both the guys who do self-defense and the guys that do sport jiu-jitsu, they're used to being continuously under pressure, be it doing the self-defense side or the sports side. You know, they're going to get crushed inside control. And if you're used to dealing with that pressure of constantly being smashed, doesn't really matter the scenario. You'll be able to deal with it because I think it just mentally makes you tougher as well. So when you see something happening, and you're more, you, I'm not saying you're like, um, John Wick or something like that, who you just see a situation, then you just kick 50 dudes' ass. But you see things happening, and you sh and you feel people with energy and tension, so you know how to kind of like stop that and kind of like nip it in the bud, and before anything really happens, to be to be honest. And that's what I've, I've probably I've never been in a a, a full-on self-defense scenario myself, but I've stopped stuff from happening because I can see what happens. I know how to keep range. Um, and I know how to use my words because I'm confident in my ability that if someone tries to beat me up, I can stop them from doing that. Have you seen the so, Brown thing of like, oh, 
or is it ceiling in my French villa is white or something like this? You say something completely off brand to make him like think of something yes. else. Oh, sort of I, I have I have uh, have heard that, and I've I've heard a few other things. For example, my uh, old coach Neil McLeod always used to say, if you just take a gum shield out of your pocket and put it in your mouth, that generally calms the situation down because they're like, this guy's nuts. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, with what you were saying there, let, let's try and I don't know backtrack a little bit so when it comes to strikers being those grapplers being tough on the strikers i think we're, we're only like by a bit strikers i'm sorry only by a bit like this much it's fine i, th- I think it's more the interpretation of the situation so say when it comes yes. to a striking exchange yes that can be stop start you can sort of have these yep, intervals exactly. you can control that a lot more whereas yep. with the grappling because of that space is already closed off we're on constant sort of awareness because even if you're in attacking position it's being aware of your base and being hyper aware of this kind of thing exactly and that's thing that's that level of constant like intensity and then we're saying the sort of if you started training at the same time kind of thing that sort of time spent and again it's all variable like again yes. but, on, but anyway you know this is a grappling podcast you know you know what you came for it, it is a grappling podcast <laughs> i just said like quite bad about strikers but anyone I find with any martial art, if you've trained long enough for it, for it or in it, should I say, you're going to be able to deal with no matter what an event kind of comes up. Um, I, I think uh, when I used to do a lot of, um, there you go, that, that massively backtrack there, right? Black belt back. We, we, are, we are all one and all that. We're all real friends. <laughs> we are friends. Go on. What are you saying? So I, I, with with any kind of martial art, we as long as you've even been doing it a while, you you like when I used to do the striking drills and things like that, and it, you when you're used to dealing with that pressure, stuff outside just doesn't really bother you as much. If anything, if someone's if some guy starts coming up being mouthy to you, you're probably more than likely just gonna laugh it off and just deal with it verbally. Um, but I think uh, a lot of the self defense stuff I see from like the what you would consider the traditional jiu-jitsu guys or the traditional like martial arts with the knife defense and things like that i'm very wary of that because I, like when i've done i've only done like stick fighting and a schema and stuff like that i schema with um again i'm going to say neil mcleod um his knife defense stuff was really legit you know where it's like you've probably been already been stabbed rather than this whole they're going to come at you like this so i i think any kind of martial art whatever it is you're always open to possibly being surprised but i think being a martial artist in any form you're going to be better at reacting quickly within that scenario within that surprise and just in general you know what i mean when it comes to weapons defense especially knife defense taking as an example where i always get so questionable with it is if you're doing the drills and you're just it's knives that's one thing but you'll use a plastic knife and you'll treat it like it's a plastic knife you get an actual like steak knife or something <laughs> and do the same drills let's see how comfortable you are doing the same movements even from drilling um, and then push comes to shove you in the I can, I, I, the, the, the knives in my cut drop so blunt it would take me probably like two hours to stab you <laughs> like gradually carve you kind of thing like a little <laughs> like a butter knife but even yeah exactly except of um one is doing it in training without that pressure already you'll be unsettled and then under resistance so say if you take jiu-jitsu match if you do if you haven't competed in jiu-jitsu before for anyone listening and it comes to you training as a white belt you think okay i kind of know what i'm doing to an extent okay i take him down i get a position and i squeeze something and then hopefully i get a tap or whatever is in white belt 
so you get your concept. When it comes to game day, it's more often than not you'll be like, how, what do I do? And you freeze and you think, okay, this is a controlled environment where you are under the stress. You know what rules, it's a range time, it's a range kind of rule set. If someone just approaches you, there is no rules at that point. You don't know the rules. Yeah. And at that point as well, there's nothing to save you. So to think you haven't tested what you've really been practicing, or even in a controlled environment, to think you can do it in an uncontrolled environment, is just a bit mental, really. Yeah, I mean, the, the, the nearest really you can... Yeah, you need a bob. You need one of those bobs that you can just stab, and it's like, I don't know. I, but, um, yeah, I, know, I get what you mean. It's, it's very interesting. It's like, especially when you see, like, with like, any kind of knife crime and stuff like that, when you see the videos of someone being stabbed, it's never like in an old school martial art film where like four guys come out and they're like, right, let's go. It's very much, they'll just bump into you and you're like, what's going on here? And you see the guy walks down the street and then bleeds out, you know? it's um, it, There's no way of dealing with that. You just have to be able to know you can deal with pressure. And I think if you can deal with pressure, I'm not talking about like... Both, well, yeah, metaphorical and physical pressure. You're used to dealing with that on a regular basis. I mean, one, I don't go to places where I possibly get into that altercation anyway because I'm just very boring. Um, and that's why I always say when I'm, when I'm going, I always try and teach some self-defense stuff when I teach my classes and things like that, especially to the newer people. Um, but it's just a case of you, you, you can't, it's chaos. Like self-defense in reality, when it happens, is chaos. And if you, there, there's no way of kind of replicating that. I mean, you can you can compete in jiu-jitsu, you can compete in kickboxing, you can compete in mixed martial arts, and you can compete as much as you want. But even then, that is a, a false environment um, from a, a reality point of view. But it does help because it's not like, like I think for me when I compete, I'm probably better at dealing with a quick, like, just say, KF, my instructor, just, he just knocks on my door and goes, damn, we need you to compete in half an hour. I'd probably be better at handling that than I would be the stress of knowing I have a competition in a couple of months that I'm training for. You know, it's that fight or flight response. It's, it's, I, I can deal with that quicker. It's that, that impending doom of the competition that can really kind of wear you out a bit mentally. I mean, that's another topic we'll go on to in just a minute. But before that, I mean, it's even more interesting, the ideas of training versus application, then, again, that transition. Like, say if you take sport jiu-jitsu, you take, um, like, positional sparring. Like, that is very applicable for competition, but you don't start in those positions. So as much as you want to prioritise these specific scenarios... I don't know, mate. I've, I've pulled side control many, many times in competition by accident, so don't even worry about it. I've pulled turtle guard many a time. <laughs> Don't you worry about that. <laughs> I'm just going to stop you there, mate. I just got to turn my my laptop. I didn't turn the power on. I'll be with you in two seconds. That's not a problem at all. Anyone listening, thank you very much for supporting the podcast. Make sure to support here to subscribe and leave a five-star review on all platforms. Shameless plug. Moral um, MMA. Use code FC MMA20 for 20% off at checkout Sorry. on all products. And Daniel's back, so back to the waffling. Okay, so back to where we were. So the waffle. The con- That's what concept the name will be after this. Specific sparring and comp- for competitions, they are very useful, but you have to get to those positions to use them. 
and once you're there yes. it's then how much of that is retained so then you take it for self-defense and as much as you want to do this whole sequence you do a lot of specific sequences for example of you know you're against a wall and you have to get out on x y and z but then it's getting to that position in that scenario and then acting off of that in your experience and that whole variables in between and it's a very interesting thing because i've had wendy miller on the podcast came out this morning and we were talking about the same stuff and we're talking about the extra layers of like self-defense of the sort of way you hold yourself and the way you are and obviously like i mean the best martial art for self-defense is cross-country running everyone knows that but <laughs> and on top of that anyway it's <laughs> get out of the way just I, I, I prefer getting my car because my car has better cardio than I do. <laughs> well, this is it. And again, it's this sort of thing of how you carry yourself and where you go in the first place that if you act like a victim and might yeah. get approached and this kind of stuff. Yeah. I mean, it's, we're not John Wick, are we? And he kind of is. Maybe he's blue belt now, I think. But either way, like, he, I quite respect what he does. Exactly, yeah, exactly. And he's in the new, he's in Ben and Ted, which is also awesome. Oh, Just so if anyone wants to see if <laughs> So when it comes to um, your competitions then, have you competed yes. at your belts? Uh, yeah, I compete at every single belt. Um, I only, uh, I started at white belt, but I had already been doing uh, nogi grappling and, and, the MMA stuff for a, a couple of years, so I, I wasn't I, I wasn't a white belt for long, but I did do one competition at white belt, um, and it was funny because I had had a few MMA fights, and I was like, I'm quite a anxious and nervous person anyway, but I was able to do MMA, and I was okay at it, um, but then I thought I'll, I'll do some jiu-jitsu competitions. This is going to be loads easy easier um, because it's just grappling. And then I then I went uh, and I was, yeah, exactly. Um, I was probably more nervous doing a jiu-jitsu competition than I was doing MMA. Um, I, I think what I've I've noticed about myself over the last years, the years of competing, is dealing with unknowns. I don't do very well with unknowns. Um, with MMA, you have an, one opponent, you have a day, you have a time, you have a weight, all that kind of stuff. You know everything that's going to happen. Whereas in jiu-jitsu, especially in a tournament, you don't know if it's that guy over there, if it's that guy over there. Man, that big, that guy's massive. Is he in my weight category and all this kind of stuff? Right. It's the worst. My my visual scale is terrible as well. Like I'll be looking at a guy who's like seven foot two and in the ultra heavyweights and going, oh, oh, he's yeah, I know. He's looking over there like, oh my god, he's really scary. Um, and that. It was it was very nerve wracking. I also had a guy in my first competition next to me in a bin bag trying to make weight, which is very weird to me. But um, and then I proceeded to have a guy pull guard on me and cross choke my face for six minutes, and then uh, I lost because the ref gave me an advantage for smashing my nose, and I just came up with a giant scratch across my nose. So that was my first jiu jitsu competition. Brilliant. <laughs> and you always get like the. The guy speaking Portuguese with a monobrow who does some sort of fancy De La Hiva guard or something like that. You get quite a variety and you get a mix. Oh, oh, trust me, in this competition, there was none of that going on. There was just a lot of heavy breathing. <laughs> I mean, when it comes to dealing with that kind of anxieties as well, I mean, the fear of the unknown is, I think it's a common thing for most people, but to that sort yeah. of extent of sort of dealing with it, like, are you quite the Facebook stalker when it comes to these kind of things? Do you like to know as much as you can or do you try and ignorance is bliss kind of thing? build up 
<laughs> ignorance is bliss is, is my general throughout my normal life uh from a, a com- competitive standpoint now um i'd say my best belt at competition results wise was a brown belt um and that wasn't because i was being very scientific about the whole process like seeing what a guy does and things like that I think just for me personally, and I coach people not the same way as I coach myself. I see what works for them. Um, but f- for me, I don't need to know what that person's good at. I just need to know where I need to get to for me, because if I can get to where I need to be and into my positions, I'm super confident in knowing that I can win. Um, f- for example, um, I think my best ever competition was the British Nationals at Brown Belt. Um, I won my weight category and then I went on to the Absolute. It's the first year I did the Absolute because on that day I felt unstoppable. And it's going to sound like the most cliche thing in the world, right? But up until that, before that competition and to surgery after that competition, I always doubt myself. Um, but on that day, and I'm still trying to get back to that day where I feel that bulletproof, it, it just, everything worked for me. Uh, I warmed up perfectly. I parked my car not far away from the venue, so I didn't have a long walk if things went wrong. But I did, wasn't thinking like that, you know, and, and that was my, my best performance. And it's it's very much my, my brain was quiet on that day. Uh, and what I mean by that is, every single competition before that and every single competition after that. And I'm, don't worry, I'm not a schizophrenic, um, but I have so many voices in my head. It gets closer to the day, closer to the day. You're not good enough. Uh, that guy beat you at the gym today. Uh, I, what if this happens? What if that happens? And those voices in your head can get so loud that it kind of drowns out the positive ones. Um, and for me, when I when I compete and stuff like that now, um, I'm winning a bit better more now. But it's a it's a constant battle with your your mind. And I think that's why um, going back to like the the self defense stuff and and all that kind of stuff is people who compete in your martial art are, are mentally a lot tougher because they whilst it's not the most 100% realistic situation, you are building to a situation. Um, and it kind of helps your mental fortitude um, to be able to cope with those situations and also get through those situations, if that makes sense. Yeah, when it comes to those kind of pre-match and pre-competition like negative thoughts and then having to overcome those, do you feel it's the event itself? Do you feel it's like imposter syndrome for the belt rank you're at? Do you feel it's other factors or just your own, I don't know, assessment of the situation? <laughs> Oddly, I've never felt an imposter at my belt. I, I don't know why. Out of all the, the hundreds of negative thoughts I have about myself, that's not been one. Um, where, where does it come from? I think for me, in my life, I've done numerous sports, not like at a high level. I've just done numerous sports as hobbies and things like that. But jiu-jitsu and martial arts is the first thing I've truly cared about and because i care so much about it i put um you, you speak to any of my, my my competition teams uh my training partners i put more pressure on myself to do well than i need to 
uh, and that's very it can, it can be a bit of a driving force but it's, it's the majority of putting pressure on yourself is it's just only going to end badly for you and i'm not saying people should be thinking i want to win and things like that i'm not talking about that pressure it's like i want to be an example and because of that it's crippled me at some competitions because of that because i put so much pressure on myself to have to go out there and do my best and do a win and all this kind of stuff and then you get out there and you're just like you you just it all falls apart you know you, you because you're so nervous and so anxious you're not strong your cardio goes and it's not because you're physically not prepared it's because your mind hasn't connected enough with your body to be able to say come on keep going keep going um as i say that that day at brown belt comp like the competition wise was the most bulletproof i've ever felt um and there was no recipe to it it's just a case of keep going and don't give up and um i don't want to be like uh a motivational speaker or anything like that um i do want to motivate people who are nervous about competing uh, and and putting themselves out there you you got to do it um and that's kind of where i am in with my own competition kind of career i wouldn't consider it a career but just competing in general but i'm also want my own team and everyone uh, you know it's just very my team versus your team and stuff like that um luckily kev my instructor isn't really like that we just i just want to help people and that's um to where like my lighthouse jiu-jitsu kind of setup I've, I've kind of started just before lockdown was kind of headed towards with just helping people both with their jiu-jitsu but also their minded as well because i think i've learned a lot over the years from failing and keeping going When you had your bullet right. brown belt um, uh, competition, how far into coaching were you at that stage? Was that before or after you started? I want to say I was probably six or so months into it at that point. Did you feel much of a pressure to perform as a coach at that stage, or did you feel you weren't necessarily, a, I don't know, a full-time coach in the sense of this isn't something I'm known for, this isn't my primary job title as such? I think... Um, on that day, as I say, nothing bothered me. So there were, there were, I didn't put pressure on myself and everything like that. Probably since that day, though, I, I didn't do well up until that point, which probably put more pressure on me afterwards. So as much as that was great and I've got the medals somewhere in a drawer somewhere, pride of place in a drawer, um, it probably put more pressure on me because now I expect more from myself. And, and, and that kind of led me down quite a negative path for a good like year or so competing wise and because of that dealing with pressure and just it, it just not dealing with my mind the way i should but i had to go through that terrible year of competing to learn to overcome it as much as i can so with the competitions in themselves then what makes you want to compete obviously like the whole concept of proving yourself and putting yourself in these situations but what is your own motivation are you trying to prove something to yourself or um, I like, fans, like the development side what part of it is your real motivation behind it for me it's just having a goal um i like having something to aim for um obviously if i wasn't competing i would still train but it's nice to have it's almost like my day-to-day jiu-jitsu is study and the competitions are like an exam and see if you pass or not 
and obviously you win or you lose, um, but you you still tested yourself. Uh, and it, it's also nice just to have like a, a, a competition, say every couple of months, just to keep my mind focused on eating the right stuff, training as, as much as I can, but as sensibly as I can. Um, it's, it's just it's nice having just little goals. I, you know, I'm I'm 38. I nearly said 37. I'm 38 now. I'm not setting the world on fire. At, the world championships against like the Leandro Lopes and stuff like that. In the Masters but division. Master 37 division, whatever it is. <laughs> um, but I just like having little goals because it just keeps you motivated and keeps you going a bit. I think um, since starting doing this like a uh, personal trainer course, I'm just started on. Um, it's, it's very much, it, it says about setting your goals, like short-term goals, medium-term goals, and long-term goals. For, for short-term goals, these uh, the competitions and stuff like that, are, they, they kind of keep me focused on what I need to keep training myself and keep just keep in shape, test myself, as I say, and just kind of like, it just, it's a, a just did it. At the end of the day, as much as I don't like competing because of the nerve, I enjoy it because the more I do it, the better I become at it. I think that's always something when it comes to competition is of me personally my competitions haven't always been very successful I mean they haven't been very successful but the odd matches and competitions I get like a medal I'm thinking fucking hell that's so much sweeter having had to go it's cool right oh, my, yeah my, my bronze medals are the proudest medals I've ever had they always sit on a shelf somewhere or like in a drawer but you know the, the moment themselves are like I am the man I am you know Hodger Gracie in the blue belt form but <laughs> Oh God! Don't tell him he just said that. Yeah. <laughs> I won't. <laughs> we know Hodge listens to the show. Shout out Hodge. He might be. I don't know. But just in case. Maybe. He might be. You got to hold Maybe. out hope. It's one of those. I just, I'll just troll him relentlessly, and we'll see if he gets back to. <laughs> but no, it's one of those things. Like the moment itself, and overcoming that whole uncomfortable situation is always really interesting. And what you touched on at the start is this. I'm almost feeling lost at the minute with everything going on, not being able to have these sort of smart goals to work on and these other sort of objectives. So talk me through with Lighthouse Jiu-Jitsu then. What, is that just in the preparation or is that outside of common? No, um, the, whole, the, the whole brand name, Lighthouse Jiu-Jitsu, um, it, it, it kind of started last year. Um, I found I was mentally getting much better at coping with my fears and anxieties when it came to competition and stuff like that. And um, I also fell in love with helping people. Um, and not just like, I, the, the, the more students I taught, the more of my students that compete and things like that, I, I found like seeing their, their God, it's, it's a cliche word, isn't it? Journey. But their journey through like their entire life to get to this point where you see them crush a competition and do awesome, I really, really like that kind of motivates me more than anything. Um, obviously, my own personal goals of competing are motivating factors for myself, but my end goal of my life's work, should I put it, to that's, that, that sounds super grand, right? Um, but my life's work is to help people. Uh, and then I put out a post 
on on Facebook about why to help people. Um, and I think and it started small to start with. It was to do with people who are too anxious to try martial arts or too anxious to step into like a, a big group class. Um, and it was to help people who have never done it before. So rather than having, it takes a massive for people to step through a gym and do a group class. Some people, the lucky few, it's easy for, right? You, they just kind of swagger in and like, I've done a bit of boxing, I've done street fighting, I've tried jiu-jitsu, and they, they just step on the mat and it's fine. But then there are people who are a bit more isolating and self-isolating just through their own, the prison of their mind. So I put that out there so to suggest to people if they know someone who has always talked about wanting to try it but they're too anxious to tr start, um, that I'd quite happy to do a free one-hour private with them at our gym um, when it's like between class time so it's quiet and stuff like that and just to kind of get them into it. And that was a, 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 a post I made and it was interesting because I wanted to, being a, a graphic designer, I just didn't want to just like an, an image of myself in a gi. Um, there's a quite, I don't know the photographer's name, but there's quite an interesting photo of it's a, there's a lighthouse and the lighthouse has this ginormous wave smashing over it. And you see the one guy stood in front, just out of the lighthouse door. Um, and it, it, that kind of photo for me, I saw because someone I used to live with had that big kind of image on their wall. Um, and that kind of, for me, was like the lighthouse is still standing no matter the storm. And that's where the, the name Lighthouse Jiu-Jitsu came from. But also the end goal is for me to kind of like be a beacon for people who have their fears, have their anxieties, who don't want to try something, who don't want to keep going with something, who don't want to look to compete. It, it's, it's kind of like all-encompassing of, of what I want to do and what I want to being how I want to help people, be you a new person, be your existing person, being you're someone who's looking to compete but too nervous. I just want to help people as much as I could. Um, there are obviously I, I, I charge a, a fee for some of my services, like my online coaching and stuff like that, um, which is kind of like uh, hit a back burner a bit because no one can really train and, and get competition footage and, and stuff like that. But everything I'm offering at the moment is free. But that's not going to change with regards what I call my lighthouse sessions. That's what they, the, the, the term I've coined or the phrase I've coined for them is just I'm quite happy to have someone message me. We talk, we chat, and we arrange to meet and do a private jiu-jitsu class just to kind of see if they like jiu-jitsu and kind of to get them into it because I've seen how jiu-jitsu has been so impactful on my life and I, I want to pass that on and kind of share it with as many people as I can. And that's that's kind of like where Lighthouse formed and that's where it kind of is at the moment. I mean, to have that kind of awareness and reminder of, obviously Jiu-Jitsu is a day-to-day -day thing for you and a lot of people who you train with, but then to remind, just remember what it's like as at day one kind of, it's horrible. <laughs> like It's awful. If you're not in that controlled environment, all you see is a lot of, athletic and some not so athletic people like sweaty all over each other it's quite you know aggressive yeah. intimate it's a bit it, it, it's and then that that's the thing it, that, that's the thing jiu-jitsu is so so close as well um and it 
it, it's 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 tough, you know. It is is very very tough, and I think that's why the whole the whole point of these I the, these sessions that I run kind of came out of that was just it's quieter. Uh, it's just two people, you know what I mean? Or it can be small groups and stuff like that. It just it then one it introduces them to a friendly face. I'm not always the friendliest face in the gym a lot of people will tell you but you know when i know when someone's coming in to do what they want to do i'm, I'm going to be like the nicest guy in the world um and that makes them kind of bridge the gap then between um wanting to train and actually training and then possibly joining a group class as well because they have like someone they have like a you wouldn't consider it like an anchor or whatever but they have like a little shining light so i know that guy as soon as you know someone in a group you then become involved in that group and with Jitsu, it's a very cool group to be involved in. I mean, that's definitely a huge part of it as well. Like, for anyone looking to get into martial arts, for going with a friend is a huge part of it. Because it feels so yeah. exclusive, excluding? Well, that's whatever the word is. When it comes to when you're in a group, big group trying to find where you sit, who you speak to, what you can ask, and it's just so intimidating, so daunting. And anyone who's yeah. currently training and sees a new person come in, it takes two seconds to say, oh, nice to meet you and shake their hand. Just a little thing just takes the edge off of everyone. No, they don't want me here. This sort of Western bitch face. It just takes a two seconds just to say, hey, nice to meet you. I mean, uh, it's like a facial expression and body language within a split second can change someone's outlook on life. And I mean that in both a good and a bad way. Like, uh, for, for, for me... I've, I've got in, in our gym we've got a little room I kind of just sit in and just chill and it's uh, away from everyone but um, as soon as I come out I, I know I, I have a, a, a job and a role to do and I want to be as, as as welcoming and as opening as I can sometimes I'm a bit grouchy if I'm tired because of getting beaten up in the lunchtime session or any of that kind of stuff but I, I, I try my best and I, it's something I, I, I constantly have to work on with just having a, a a good energy about myself uh, because I, I don't want someone to step through the door and be like the out of shape grouchy instructor who can ruin someone's possible martial arts life do you know what I mean they, they come in they see a guy who doesn't care and then they go oh, enough with this I, I, I don't want to do that he doesn't care why, why will I care and that, that, that can kind of ruin it for people you know I don't want to be that guy um, can I be grouchy and unapproachable sometimes? Yes, but I'm fighting with myself constantly to not be that guy as much as I, I can be. I mean, that's a huge part of it, is being human and feeling these things, but also understanding the times to express these things. Like, if you yeah. approach between seven and nine, during seven to nine, you are, you know, a happy, positive, you know, everyone's friend, jiu-jitsu coach. Happy days. Um, add, sarc add sarcastic and sometimes quite rude as well. That's that's some of my lo most lovable qualities. Yeah, <laughs> a bit like, are you the David Brent of um, the Jiu Jitsu world? Wow, no, I'm actually funny and deliberately. Oh. <laughs> Louis Ard. Mm. <laughs> but this is it. I love a bit of sarcasm. This is what you need a bit. You need to have your own. This is the, This is the thing. When, when people get to the gym and they, they start picking up on the banter and stuff like that, it's it's like you're doing something cool with your mates, you know? Um, one, you are learning something cool and it's it's fun to do and it's a, a good outlet for people who like don't like doing normal exercise and stuff like that. Like the first, the first um, martial art lesson I did, I handed in my gym membership for 
just on like the, the treadmill side of things like the next day because i was like i hated that as soon as i did martial arts i was like this is what i want to do um and it's huge like, I, I, that's no disrespect to people like running on treadmills um but it's it's very important that you approach that kind of thing in a a good social community-based way because when someone feels part of your team man it, it can be life-changing then to a certain degree if they're very confident kind of people it's fine but if they're not becoming part of a team and becoming all that kind of stuff can be positively life-changing and again it's all part of the, the quote-unquote journey to use you know this the terminology yeah it's, it's that camaraderie it's that you're in the trenches together you guys are all putting each other in these positions of feeling uncomfortable and persevering and encouraging each other to come back and if someone's not been there for a couple of weeks and you chase them up they definitely appreciate that kind of you know we want you there yeah. and that kind yeah. of and so it's because someone cares um, and when you you know someone cares it, it, it makes the world a difference 100% and you need that kind of environment and this is beneficial for everyone is to have that support network it doesn't have to be sit down and have a little mother's meeting about what's been bothering you but you have that outlet to have that active meditation away from the world and that time just to not focus on anything else but the task at hand and just you know get nice exactly i mean put some music on make it feel nice <laughs> yeah exactly i mean i've 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 not had like horrific events happen in my life but i've had dogs put down i've had like friendships all split up and things like that as soon as you step on the map like this is going to sound odd but my dog Brody he was he was my little boy yeah and and people who don't have dogs they they they, they may think it's a bit weird but like they're like kind of like your kids to a certain degree no 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 no, no. I, I probably will cry cause, but anyway the, the the day I had had to have him put down I, I went to train jiu-jitsu like one I taught the session as well um but as soon as you step on the mat, no matter how you're feeling, be it happy, be it sad, just everything, all the drama outside of the mat melts away. And you just, for an hour or so, you you, you feel awesome. And it kind of, it can help those situations outside as well because you, you relieve a bit of that tension and all that kind of stuff. But it's, it's a great place to be. It's why it's quite interesting with it being taken away from so many people in the, in the, the current um, situation with COVID and stuff like that is you're, you're seeing more people getting a bit more stressed and a bit more because they don't have that. And it, it was it was unusual for me for a few weeks because, as I say, I'd, I'd probably spar and train six days a week, maybe seven. Um, and it, it's, it's weird having that extra bit of energy where it got to a point, and I don't, I'm not crazy, but you'd be walking around Tesco's two metres apart, and I was like, uh, it, I hope something starts something because it just—it's it, yeah, crazy. Like, oh. You're crazy, and you're like, "Why am I thinking like this?" Because like, I'm, I'm the least aggressive person. I might like Counter get angry with someone if they've annoyed me, but but physically, I'm not aggressive at all. I've never been in a fight outside of martial arts and stuff like that. Um, but you're just walking around like, "What's that guy looking at?" And that's not me. And it's it, it, uh we need to tell Boris and the government that there are a lot of martial artists that need to train, otherwise he's going to have a problem on his hands. You and Kev are key workers, we need you guys. With it exactly. comes to putting down Brody, I'm so sorry to hear that, did you 
how long ago was that and how are you like how did you oh, feel, like dealing with it and stuff like did you feel you could breathe properly when it comes to a pet opposed to a other than a person i mean god let's get i mean the only the the, the, the closest people to me that i've lost are probably my grandparents um on my mother's side i don't really know my father's side that well um they live in australia and they're estranged all that kind of stuff but anyway um my grandparents on my mother's side i probably when my granddad died i probably was too young to comprehend it to be honest with you you know i was sad he wasn't there anymore but to truly comprehend it i probably was too young um uh when my grandma died uh she um had deteriorated mentally quite a bit so if anything her passing away whilst one of the most sad days in my family's life it was a sense of relief as well um, so they're like, kind of like the two biggest losses in my life. However, when my first or Brody had to be put down, it was the most one of the most traumatic things I've ever had to go through personally. Um, as I say, there are people out there with a lot more issues than me, so this is not me going oh boo-hoo and all that, that kind of stuff. But gr the grieving process for me for that was very long. It, it took a long time um, because this little happy face was always there, greet you at your door, all that kind of stuff. But with uh, with my training, with the, the people I had around me, the people from within the martial arts community that I trained with and who knew what happened. And when you post about stuff like that on Facebook, you get lots of lovely messages. It kind of helps, you know. Um, it's just um, not just martial arts community but just if you can attach yourself to a positive community you can get through anything in life you know one thing you said there i want to make a very very firm point on this how other people deal with their things and the things they've got going on is not fucking important if you've got your own issues going on they are important as they are to you you shouldn't try yeah. and tone down and say oh i know the world's going on in a certain way no if this feels as bad as it does, it should feel as bad as it does. It shouldn't be carried yep. out with anything like this. So, like this is the thing. I, I think when you first said you were inviting me on your podcast, first of all, I was thinking, does he actually know who I am? That I'm probably quite a waffly, boring person. <laughs> and then second, it was, God, I I've got to police what I say. Uh, uh, and this is and this is the thing, right? Me saying there are other people who've had worse things in their lives is it's almost like I'm preempting what someone might say, and I think that's the oh god, here we go. This is the the problem with the 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 current climate. I'm not talking about the situations. I'm talking about the climate. Is people are trying to. Preempt their possible mistakes now, and people also are trying to not make mistakes, and I think that's a, a very dangerous place to be, where people can't admit fault and also be brave enough to possibly make mistakes. Um, and you can you can class that all over the place. You know, you can class that simply as I don't want to get choked up by that blue belt over there who's uh, been a bit of a knob uh, or I don't want to offend someone accidentally because of context and things like that. And this is why, just to go off on a tangent here, it's like this is why 
I, I logged out of my social media for a bit. I, uh, I don't really pay attention to the news. I'd much rather listen to long form podcasts and things like that, because then you get a context exactly um subscribe click a link somewhere um but it's 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 people people seem to be reading headlines only at the moment and that's a real problem uh, and i i think um you need context and you need varying opinions and dissenting opinion to make your own and i think a big thing at the moment is people need to be more situationally aware of right i'm thinking this at the moment but that's my situation someone's situation else other, in other places could be completely different and um, i think my other half says it a lot and um, a few other people say a lot like like but not to talk about myself but i empathize with a lot i'm very uh, a very empathetic person you know um and i, I think uh, more people need to be like that um i'm not someone for ha wanting to have to police other people's thoughts and what they say at all but um you, you we, we're kind of in a current situation right where you have to be guarded to a certain degree i'm lucky i'm as, as i work at um rj bucks in their gym i'm, I'm self-employed so i kind of i'm my own boss to a certain degree um but it's uh, a crazy crazy time to be with how the world is at the moment right Again, there's a lot to go into that with that. And there's a few things I really want to point out before we sort of go into some more depth. Is the failure, the if you can't fail and make mistakes, that's a very dangerous place. Because you, because what happens there is you stifle creativity. So say for example, yeah. say from a language point of view, just to keep it safe, is if I don't ever use any sort of apostrophes, I don't say didn't or would wants or whatever it is, would nots and that kind of thing. If I completely avoid that whole way of saying it, uh, fear of saying it wrong, I would never learn. And what that means is, if you take it on a bigger level, people don't want to ask questions because they're worried about the response they're going to get. And I've touched this in a few episodes where it's about interpretation as well, is what is meant by what is being asked yeah. and what is being said. And that, say, if a common example I'll, I'll use quite a bit, I want you to describe to me what is a house. In, what's the first thing that comes to your mind when I say a house? That's the actual question. I never thought I'd be asked that question. Uh, a door and windows and a square box, basically, and a roof. Okay, so you've identified it as the physical things that make it what it is. Yeah. If I say it's shelter or something else, that doesn't mean it's wrong. That means mm -hmm. I've interpreted it in a certain way. It's different to the way you've interpreted it, but it's the same physical thing. Now, the risk yeah. of just saying something different is nothing. Like, if you say something different, I'm not going to be offended, I'm not going to be upset, I'm not going to start calling you names on Facebook. But if you say things about other beliefs and other sort of things you don't know what you meant, meant by that so even yeah. though you might mean similar things the way it's been interpreted is so much more risk than it does the reward of saying it in the first place so it gets so controversial the whole black lives matter all lives matter things and the way things are being said so like if i said all lives matter people would say you're not appreciating what black lives you yeah. don't appreciate what it means the whole urgency of we don't all need that support now the black people need the support all this kind of thing but what i could mean by that is they should all be held to the same standard. We should bring them up. We should make sure exactly looked out for. But yeah. what I've actually said is all lives matter. Obviously, I'm not going to start on this whole thing of putting the world to rights. It's more a concept of things, how you interpret it versus how you, I don't know, how people react to it. And it gets very dangerous in that sense. And the big thing I find with mental health, especially when it comes to people dealing with it and approaching it and that, 
perception of it is because you, you get different the whole spectrum of say depression for example you get functional depression people who can crack on day feel like it's nothing and then have the odd spell of it then you get people who are completely bed bound and can't you know face the world many people including me when it's come to this because they don't feel, fall in the category of people who are bed bound and can't face the world they don't necessarily always want to approach it and talk about it because oh, I'm not that bad because of something else they're comparing it to which isn't really the yeah. point and my response to that is always so if I cut my finger and you broke your leg my finger isn't any better <laughs> like <laughs> it's all well and good like you're in a bad you're in a worse position than I am but I still have this problem to talk about and there's a thing it's a, have you read um any Jordan Peterson books there's one 12 rules of life I'm still trying to get through it's very indigestible because there's so <laughs> long words in it but I'm currently reading a Jeremy Clarkson book, so no. <laughs> Part of like the Euro and, you know, fascism. And the <laughs> but it's more a concept of, um, sorry to use this analogy, but treat yourself like you would your dog kind of thing. Instead of saying, oh, it's just me or it's just that, you sort of think, okay, if my dog isn't feeling well, you fucking sort it out straight away. You've got that Damn right. food. And yep. you make sure they're having the right food. But if it's yourself, like, no, it's just me. It's just me. Yep. Yep. And again, it's kind of perspective. That's a very good analogy. I quite like that, actually. Because you get a lot of people like that in a lot of scenarios. Like, they won't clean up, oh, it's just me in the house, I won't, I won't bother. No, it's the most important person. It's the one who's got to... Yeah. <laughs> this is... um, I, 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 Just to kind of go on a tangent with that, um, my friend Tom, um, I train with, he knows um, Gary Turner, who's a, a former MMA fighter, former judoka, he's done all sorts of martial arts, but he does um, a lot of sports psychology and um, hypnotherapy and stuff like that. And that was something that he, he actually brought up to me. And that one of the first questions was, who's the most important person in your life? And you automatically think of other people. Because like, it should be you. Because if you're looking after yourself and you become the most important person to you and you're happy and all that kind of stuff, the people who you you're more consciously thinking out will, will have a better experience because they're around someone who's happy all the time and, and, and all that kind of stuff. So I, I completely agree with that. There's a bit in that in Ken Whipple's work about the whole idea of, you know, the best version of you and all this kind of stuff. And it, it can go on yeah. a tangent of sort of self-help and development and this kind of thing. It definitely makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, if you're a happy person, you're not the martyr as such. But again, it's it comes from yeah. a, good, a good place normally. It's normally a place of, oh, I want other people to, you know, reap the benefits of my efforts. I want, you know, people to appreciate my efforts of yeah. what I'm doing. So it's not necessarily always, you know, woe is me. Everyone's like, that's, oh. that's the thing. Yeah, because that's the thing. I mean, I need the lighthouse stuff, which is free and all this kind of stuff. I, I do it for free because it makes me feel awesome. Like, if I can, like, um, I had um, a guy message me and say his daughter was um, thinking about giving up jujitsu because it's tough. So he brought her along. And we had a session, all, all, all of us together, and and I made it fun for her. And we went over some like, where do you get stuck and things like that. And and, and she still like I saw her the other day, doing a private and in with Kev, you know, um, they, it was a, a, a simple like one to one and stuff like that. And so she's still training a year later. And you know, as as much as that's a, a selfless act, I felt awesome. And because of that, I mean, it, you, you get me in a good mood for 24 to 48 hours. <laughs> now, what you just said there is a really interesting concept of doing something for other people and it being quote-unquote selfless. And this is 
a funny thing with charities and this kind of concept of volunteering and what it really means and people worrying about the vanity of it and I can't help but feel as long as the overall act has been done with the best intention you should have a reward system from it because if it's thankless yep. entirely why would you do it like, exactly if you just take um, I, I think a lot of if people are one there's the people the people who are doing the stuff who are too worried about what other people think i think that's massive uh, and i think once you kind of stop thinking like that and just if you, what you're doing comes from a good place in your heart the, the, it's not even open to interpretation then you know um and i think there's when it comes to like being online and stuff like that there's always going to be someone who argues that the sky that currently is cloudy is not cloudy at the moment you know and it's just it's trying to tune those people out as best you can and for me to do that i had to log off facebook for a bit i mean this is a huge part of it as well is like picking the right battles and understanding i don't know the concepts yeah. that people are debating i use the word concept a lot because i find that's a really useful way of like i I don't know, I'm finding common themes in situations. And a huge thing I found benefits a lot of my own personal decision-making is the honesty with yourself. Even if it's not the best outcome, it's like, okay, why are you actually doing this for? Why do you care that about this thing? Is it about your insecurities about this, that, and the other? Is it about your wanting for affirmation? Is it this, that, and the other? As long as you know, then you're in a better place with thinking, okay, if I do this, what reaction am I expecting? What reaction do I want? And instead of having this, oh no, it's just for this and that and the other thing. And I always say, if people are going to do something charitable and stick it on Facebook, I'm saying, eh, if that's what they need to do it, the charitable act still being done. Like, yeah, they're yeah. A, bit, a bit poor taste and that and the other, but something it, you, you, can, you can take that as a bit of, yeah, exactly. It's like, look at me a bit, um, which, which I get. Um, we're, we're very much, uh, and, I, and I, I, I'm, I'm guilty of it and stuff like that. I, I, I don't post as much as I used to, but it's like, look at me kind of stuff, right? It's like, look at this achievement or look at this project or, or something to get that recognition. But it's just, it's like you just have more f eyes on what you're doing. Like I'd still be doing whatever I'm doing now, I'd still be doing no matter if Instagram was here or Facebook was around. Do you know what I mean? Um, it's just as good to get you the, the positive. I, I, I try and err on the side of getting positivity out there. Like with, we had a really good competition session. Here's the photo of all, of us all looking sweaty and battered. You know what I mean? It's like getting positive stuff out there. If it's a, like a couple of the guys I train with, they did like charity bike rides and things like that. And if, if, if someone's... Uh, interpretation of someone posting about them doing charity work and cycling and stuff like that is oh look at those guys i think they they need to be a bit more self-reflective on their current mindset of, of how they see the world and themselves that was a very diplomatic way of saying that but when it comes to um social media it can, you can be very constructive i feel because otherwise you can do things for the wrong reasons and like the same sort of thing Everyone falls in the trap of putting their successes in there, this, that, and the other, for their own gratification. But not their failures. Oh, 100%, yeah. but I can't help but feel using that constructively. So if you see someone posting up their training and think, oh, I should be training, instead of letting that get you down as such, it should motivate you to train. And yeah. that's how you can use it constructively, not so much woe is me. And again, mm -hmm. it's all how you use that same energy. And you'll hear a lot of the, you know, these 
I don't know, Marines or whoever else saying about oh thinking and dealing with all these kind of situations. But oh, I, I can't get, I can't be the guy who gets up at four a.m. And what the dropper would. It's more the concept of using that energy and using it in a certain way yeah. that you're gonna feel something, and yeah. then it's how you manipulate that. And again, it's you like, get everyone who's like, oh no, I'll just go. To, I'll just. It's appreciating as well. But everyone's different. Like some people yeah, work all week, go to the pub on the weekends, and they're fulfilled and they're happy. And there's nothing wrong with that. That's their life, and they feel fulfilled. I appreciate wanting to spread your way of living and how it makes you feel in a certain way, but you need to respect when people, it's not their thing. And it's a really hard pill to swallow sometimes. I struggled with it a lot. Like, I was one of these, like, people preaching jujitsu to everyone, thinking, oh, it's the best thing ever, you've got to do it. But jujitsu is for everyone, but it's also not for everyone. Like, it's available. You stole, you stole what I came up with a couple of months ago. I, someone walked through the door and they were like, oh, I, I want to try juice. And I was like, yeah, and that's, that, is, that, is, that is the perfect way to sum it up to people. Jiu-Jitsu is for everyone, but not everyone are for Jiu-Jitsu. Um, and it's, it's a, a very interesting kind of concept that people don't, you know, like with a lot of things, it can sound culty. Um, not just jiu-jitsu, but anything where there's a large group of people saying, yeah, yeah oh, don't you, I'm not an usher. I'm not an usher, bro, come on. Um, but it's, it sounds very culty, yeah, exactly. Um, but I think if you're honest with people and say, this is going to be tough and, and things like that, that you, you, as long as it's positive kind of ways around it, you, it's, it's, it's good for everyone involved both for yourself and for that for everyone else as well i mean regards of it being a cult and stuff it gets very close to that at some times like obviously we're stuck behind shaving our heads and saying you know hodger hodger grace at Hare krishna kind of thing you have to read the book chaos about um the manson murders we're not in a cult trust me don't worry about it <laughs> at some point we start you know doing these sort of sacrifices yeah. but that's a different exactly sacrifices who knows, who knows? Mauricio, if that works for me to win worlds I'm, I'm quite happy to do <laughs> you know one step at a time but more the, the idea of an ideology so you see like take marxism for example you get these kind of like concepts of these things work in this community this is what we believe in but then you get almost this little jiu-jitsu version of that like okay we've got obviously a lot less intense it's not so, so much like you know right wing this that and the other but it's more a case of okay we have the same mantra for respect for everyone this kind of try and learn from everyone open-mindedness and these kind of principles and i think where people sort of struggle with as much as jiu-jitsu again like it's available for everyone but they can't all benefit from it it's a lot of the honesty and self-evaluation that if you can be prepared to be proved wrong and learn from that that is just an attribute if you can then take that yeah like it's not so much the athleticism it's side of it but it's understanding and the self-critical self-criticism of yeah okay. it's, it's, it's also like for example like um i get i get very frustrated when i don't know something already um i don't know what it is but you, when you get older, and he said, old, uh, I'm not old, obviously, yet. Exactly, right? It's master two, thank you very much. Um, but we, lo we lose the ability to be inquisitive. Um, for example, I go, okay, I show the technique, any questions? I think... In the million times I've asked that, I think I've had maybe three or four questions. 
And one was, can you do that again? Because they didn't like the person I was testing, like doing the choke on and stuff like that. But um, one, people aren't, they don't want to like kind of like put their head up and ask a question because they're worried about people laughing at them and stuff like that. But exactly, it's like, but there, there is no, and it, the, 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 the phrase, there are no stupid questions, just stupid answers. Well, not 100% accurate. Yeah, exactly. Um, it, I think we, we just need to learn to always be inquisitive and always ask questions. Um, one thing for me um, with this whole course I'm doing at the moment is I'm getting really annoyed at not knowing all the names of the muscles and all the names of this, like the skeleton and all that kind of stuff. And I'm like, oh, I should know this. And it's, it's getting me annoyed. And, and, and Caroline, my last like, why? Have you ever done, do you know all the names previously before you did this? I was like, no, she was, well, you're in the learning process. And going back to the jiu-jitsu grading system, I'm not saying you should apply the grading system to every facet of your life, but at the moment, I'm a white belt personal trainer. I'm a white belt photographer. You know, and, I'm, and I should be asking as many questions, no matter what the questions are, and be as inquisitive as possible, because that will only help me learn and accelerate my learning. And I, I think um, it's a constant battle with my myself on that front, but it's a, it's a battle that everyone needs to kind of like keep trying to win as well. Just be question everything. Um, like I've, I think I've said his name more than in the last hour than I've said in the last couple of years, but Neil McLeod asks relentless amount of questions um and there's a reason why he's so good and that's because he's always looking to learn and always willing to ask questions no matter what it is now one thing when it comes to questions from from a student point of view is more you don't know what you don't know so you don't know what to ask about and take the same belt analogy say you get the roger grace equivalent of photoshop person and you have them in front of you at a seminar like how many questions do you feel the need to ask like how much detail would you go into what things would you ask because again it's you don't have the references of okay so so when it comes to talking jiu-jitsu i can talk for days and i don't care you know if uh when i've done seminars and things like that i as, as long as people are interested in asking questions, I'll stay there all day. Um, obviously, when you're more well-known and maybe you're charging a, a, an exorbitant hourly fee, that might change from both the instructor of the gym and you. Um, but I, I think as if there's a question that needs asking, they should ask it. And if the person's there going, oh, we're over our hour, I sh- come back next time I, I think they're, they're doing themselves and that person a disservice so do you feel the need to give answers to questions you feel should be asked when it comes to um, a good way of doing that actually, and it's, it's something I've um, because I'm constantly reviewing myself as uh, an instructor to see how I can improve like I can waffle a lot because I love jiu-jitsu and I give all the little details and bits and pieces like that. But I always say to people, I'm, I'm honest with the, the, the guys that come to my classes, I do over-talk. But as long as you can remember like 20, 30% of what I say, the, the rest will come. Um, but what I like to do is I show the position, we drill it a bit, and then it's a lot more of positional sparring. 
Then we come back. What happened? Any questions? What happened here and what happened here? Obviously, you could spend all day doing it, which you in a two-hour class, you, you obviously have a time frame, but you at least have some actual feedback from the mouse. This happened to me doing this, rather than going, here's the technique, any questions? So like the newer person who's just like, what? And then they actually can see the technique, try it. If they have questions in the drilling area, they, they ask. But then they actually have physical tests of, right, it didn't work for me here. Now they have a question. And that kind of speeds the process up of rather than them having a question or a position they learned six months ago that's still not working for them, it accelerates it to a degree. Not exactly, but it accelerates it more. So they actually have some physical ramifications of the technique they just applied and the issues that came up using that technique or trying the technique and that's a, a good way of learning and, and a good, especially when you're teaching newer people as well i really like that approach because again when you have say you do a technique in the class and spar at the end if you get questions at the end by that point you're a bit knackered and burnout want to go home that stage and if yeah you, even if you don't even go for that position if you're not interested in sparring the likelihood of you even using that position isn't really 100 good to have your game and stick but to sort of make make it midway through to have an interval, okay, we're gonna actively try and get these positions and then sort of troubleshoot from there onwards. Like it makes you have to practice it. And then you have to try it. Then you have to, you know, have some experience with it. Because it's like if you learn a language, if you learn a phrase and you don't use it, and then, then what? Yeah, exactly. It's, um it's, it's, it's a, a, a common issue with learning stuff. That's why a lot of people like are proponents of basic jiu-jitsu compared to more elaborate jiu-jitsu um, because you're having those... Well, if you want to consider jiu-jitsu as a, a conversation, you're probably having the more basic jiu-jitsu technique conversation than the more elaborate ones. So you, that's why you, you get used to them and they're easier to do because you're having that conversation within the grand scheme of jiu-jitsu more. And this is where it comes from because you get these certain avenues you fall down. Say it's a conversation, you're not talking about the same topics, you go in the same sort of pathways. And I think Tom Barlow explained this sort of scenario, the way he used to get to Birmingham from wherever he said Cambridge or something. He said he'd take the same routes every time, but the routes he'd take would be more... A lot clearer it would be a lot less stressful a lot easier because again it's the same kind of pathways you're taking but then it gets a lot smoother and it gets a lot more streamlined as such even though you have to go through the same avenues and again it's that setup it's the understanding of the structure behind it all and structure is a key word in that it's understanding the pathways you need to do to get to from a to b and these little micro bits in between and then yeah. that's where we get the sort of the feedback so it's like, okay i can't quite get to c i'm still stuck at b somewhere or this that and the other i need to put f somehow but how i got there <laughs> it's trying to work out all these different i don't know understanding the the roots almost like a that, that, yeah that that kind of trip analogy is is, is 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 pretty accurate because it also like applies to your subconscious as well obviously when i drive i'm always keeping my eyes on the road and being safe but sometimes you drive a route so many times you almost like are doing it subconsciously rather than acting and that's exactly the same as doing jiu-jitsu we do things in our subconscious that we're not, not even thinking about and that's the same same in, with all the things that are like because 
when you do a, a, an action or an act repetitively, your subconscious kind of takes over and then kind of sorts it out for you. Um, sort of further in that same analogy, is this like mechanics of it? Like, say if you're like used to driving, the mechanics are changing gears, keeping an eye on the mirrors, and just being aware of what's going on around you on top of trying to stay on top of the route. It can be quite overwhelming, but then you do it quite subconsciously, you get your muscle memory, you get your sort of clutch control, yeah. no problem. And again, it's the same with it comes to certain layers of your jiu-jitsu, so like you get your positional awareness. It's not just, okay, you're in half guard, you're thinking about the sweep itself and all this, but subconsciously you've got the right sort of hip control, the right sort of space, you've got your frames, you've got your posture, and that's even before even considering the sweep itself, that's just a subconscious sort of standard you set yourself. And it's all these sort of layers you build up throughout time training. And again, it's just a really interesting kind of, the, the more you break it down, what you don't realize you do almost is how long you've been doing it. Yeah. And and with the situation we have at the moment, I probably, this is, when the lockdown hat like went into play, we, we decided we, we, we closed our gym. We literally decided to close the gym like a day before like the <laughs> official lockdown happened. Um, I probably didn't train for, I want to say, let's say minimum three weeks. I, it was nearly four weeks probably. I didn't train and roll. Um, and you get a lot of people message saying, oh, I can't wait to go out to training. I'll probably forget what I do. It's like, it almost like strips away the, the fat of what you were doing. And like the, the, the first roll I did, when we, we got some mats and we had a roll, um, here, it was like I was actually better and I felt like my reactions were better because you're not actively thinking about all the stuff you're, you've just learned like six months ago. Um, it kind of strips away all that and it's, it's been interesting that a lot of people are concerned about losing their skills and things like that. I would be concerned about your like grappling cardio but that'll come back pretty easily um, hopefully unless people have gone off the deep end when it comes to eating Ben and Jerry's and things like that but it's it's amazing how much your subconscious retains and is able to keep that and and, and be able to rely on your subconscious to kind of like protect yourself and, and, and your jiu-jitsu is actually not as bad as you might think it was and again it sort of goes back to when push comes to shove what you actually know yep. when you have to process actively what you're doing and try to understand the position you're in then it sort of becomes quite overwhelming, comes a lot of, I don't know, it's quite hard to work out what you're doing. Is it, have you seen, the thing is, it's a little thing a while ago, I think Ryan Hall was in um, some sort of restaurant and someone like approached him and he had to defend himself. Yep. Instead of for his like, yep. reversing an eye roll to inside heel hook, it was a double leg in top position. It was the sort of yep. things that when push comes to shove, you do what you know is your base and then the ex excessive stuff is a bit more... I don't know, once you're in a more settled mindset. I mean, like, like this is the thing with like the, the, the sport jiu-jitsu versus uh, self-defense jiu-jitsu things. It's like jiu-jitsu is fun and, and doing elaborate techniques and stuff like that on your, your friends who are also very good at jiu-jitsu, it's fun. Uh, and that's why we do it. I also do it to really annoy people as well because a lot of people, when you grab their lapel and wrap it around their legs, become enraged. And it's, it's hilarious for me. Uh, it's a highlight of my day sometimes. Um, but if you think about it, and I was thinking about this a while ago, and I was thinking how bad people who don't train balance is. If you need to take someone down, 
they're not going to be hands out, ready to sprawl. You literally can just sweep their foot away and they will fall over. I guarantee it. Most of them, I don't guarantee it, but like 99% of the time they'll fall over because they have no idea what's happening. And that's like from someone who plays reverse Della Wormgard, which is one of his favorite positions, knows that if someone's causing shit in the in the supermarket, I can quite happily sweep their foot and, and take them down safely and then control them. Exactly. And then walk off. And then, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Just rip, I just wear my key into the supermarket. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> This is it won't be too long before you're in Tesco's like trying to you know, slap hands and bump fists and trying to pull like, I don't know. Like, I'm rolling a bit now, so I, I've got over my rage of wanting to beat people up in Tesco. So I'm kind of like I'm I'm chilled again now. This is it, Daniel. I've really appreciated your time. I really enjoyed this as well. Where can people find you on um, social media? Um, well, first of all, thank you for having me. Hopefully, I haven't waffled too much. Um, uh, but find me. Um, Daniel Lewis on Facebook or Instagram. It's the Daniel Lewis because Daniel Lewis has taken. I'm not being a, a douchebag. That was just something hilarious I thought would be funny a couple of years ago when I thought Instagram wouldn't take off. Um, Website-wise, um, igabucks.com is is my main gym that I train at under Kev Capel. Um, um, my own personal kind of project is lighthousejj.com. Um, as I say, all my services at the moment on that be it competition reviews. Um, like narrations, um, questions, answers, all that kind of stuff is free. Contact me through that website and I'll get back to you as soon as I can. Um, I have a little bit of spare time at the moment. Uh, so I'm, I'm, I'm just here to help. And as we said, it's not selfless, but I'm quite happy to help all these guys all around the world for free at the moment because if it benefits you, it benefits me at the end of the day. Links to those will be in the description. Today's episode was brought to you by Mauler MMA. Use code FCMMA20 at checkout for 20% off on all products on MaulerMMA.com.